Life Audio. Hey, welcome to the Gospel Rant. I'm Dr. Bill Sinyard with Gospel App Ministries, www.gospel-app.com. We are on a trek through 1 Thessalonians, and uh, so you're not confused. We're going to still finish the Sermon on the Mount. I'm looking forward to that, but as I explained, I'm headed to Greece in a little while. We're going to uh, go to the places where Paul walked, particularly on his second missionary journey. That's Thessalonica, Philippi, Berea, Athens, and Corinth. So excited about it. So, you know, I wanted to kind of get into Paul's head and Luke's head to kind of figure out what they were doing and why and who they were talking to and what they ran into and what their strategy was. How did they communicate the gospel differently than when they were in Turkey or in the in, the, uh, in, the, in Israel and Syria? Uh, I think we're being successful. I said there was going to be a four part uh, series. I was wrong. You you know. You know, pastors, uh, sorry about that, my bad. But anyway, I hope that it's been helpful. We're at 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Uh, first, let me thank Life Audio for, for hosting this podcast. And let's stop now for a word from our sponsors. We'll be right back. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Okay, welcome back. Well, we're going to be cruising. Um, uh, please take a look at the previous podcast um, at Gospel Rant. If you can't find it, just Google Gospel, Gospel Rant podcast and you'll, you'll get it wherever podcasts are found. All right. So 1 Thessalonians 3 verse 1, this is what the NIV says. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. So Paul was was shamefully escorted out of Thessalonica, went to Berea. The, the jealous Jews of Thessalonica went to Berea, and he, he, was, he was hustled out of town again by uh, his converts. They escorted him to Athens by himself. Uh, Timothy, Silas were left in either Berea or Thessalonica or went back and forth. Luke was probably still in Philippi. So Paul, and you know, wow. So the we, not sure, it could be a royal we, it could be Paul and the Bereans who escorted him, we're not real sure. Uh, but I want you to hear the loneliness and the isolation. This was the first time Paul was alone since he had been taught by Jesus in the Arabian desert. And um, 
you know, being left in Athens, it's the best of bad choices. He'd been dealt, humanly speaking, a very bad hand, and he's just going to have to play it. He had grown used to having people of substance like Silas and Barnabas with him and helpers like Timothy and John Mark. But now in this huge town, this erudite Greek town of Athens, he's isolated. And you know what? If he's jailed, who's going to know? If he's beat again with sticks or flogged, who's going to know? I mean, this is a heady place for Paul. Verse 2. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in the faith, meaning the Thessalonians, so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. Well, I appreciate the heart, Paul, but who wouldn't be unsettled? He continues, you know quite well that we were destined for them. All right, so trials, persecution, being mocked, being uh, left behind, it's, it's honestly... It's part of being a Jesus follower. And remember the last three Beatitudes of Jesus himself. Uh, you're going to be persecuted. Three of the nine. So the, and, and listen, the gospel and doing righteous deeds, meaning doing kind things for others just because you want to, because the Spirit's moving in you, you know, it's not always welcomed here by the majority. It's a threat. And, and like the Jews in Thessalonica, there's this jealousy that bubbles up. There's probably a better word, but but it, the gospel is often when it's preached clearly and not not uh, not hammering, not critically, but when it's clearly like Jesus on the hillside in Galilee, it becomes a threat. I'm just saying, stop thinking, please, that that our goal is to reform the world uh, through excellent preaching and just convincing people or missions or purpose-driven anything or the next election, or the next legislation, the world's going to push back, just like it pushed back on Jesus. Look at Jesus. How successful was he changing politics? Are you with me? I mean, I'm not saying we shouldn't try. We should lean into it because it's a kind thing to do. We should lean into compassionate legislations, just legislations. We should. Um, But look, it's time to tell ourselves in the mirror and our churches and our converts that Man, the world is not going to fully embrace us. Jesus is going to return, and then there'll be this mighty change. But until then, man, it's going to be a slog. But remember, this persecution and this shaming and the pushback and the injustices come with come with alien heavenly joy and perseverance. And this miraculous, even in the midst of persecution, focused on the well-being of others. Otherwise, humanly speaking, our midbrains, you know, our amygdalas would devolve into just triggers. We'd be, we'd have PTSD symptoms and we'd run to fight, flight, or freeze way quickly or, or to self-medication faster than we do. And God bless you, no judgment here. So blessed are the persecuted, Jesus will say, meaning literally enviable. That's my translation of blessed be. Enviable are those who are persecuted for doing good to others. Right? Don't think that if you just did good to others, they're going to love you. Uh, Jesus found out otherwise. All That's all Jesus did, and they killed him. Are you with me? And that's a model for us. Don't want to scare anybody. It's just, it's just true. Uh, show me a church that's in turmoil when the pastor and the staff are preaching the gospel. I'm, I'm thinking you've got something going there. So Paul says that the Thessalonians are 
you know, they're they're getting it. Um, you know quite well, he says in verse three, that persecution's gonna come, but he also is noticing their joy. Verse four. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. So this is one of the messages of Paul. Spiritual formation, spiritual direction is, by the way, uh, bad news, you know, good news. God loves you and you're getting joy and I can see it in your face. But bad news, somebody's going to knock you out at the knees. Um, okay. Paul again, and it turned out that way, meaning persecution, as you well know. For this reason, verse 5, when I could no, stand it no longer, he's repeating himself. Again, Thessalonians could use a le- an editor. I sent to find out about your faith, and I was afraid. Oh, my goodness. Uh, uh, let me keep reading, and I'll comment on this. I was afraid that in some way the tempter might have tempted you, and our efforts might have been useless. What an insightful, poignant verse by Paul. Amazing insight into the human psyche of the great Paul. I mean, don't you sort of, you've seen him enough in Sunday school and studies that you would think Paul would be the model of perfect faith. He would know this is God's business. He'd be chill. He'd be relaxed. He'd be confident. Uh, He wouldn't worry about anything. No, no. This very first letter, perhaps, or second letter, Paul's human. He can't see the whole picture either. He's doing something so remarkable here. I think millennials uh, would really just connect here, resonate. He's sharing his humanity. By the way, I get it. I'm feeling it. I'm resonating. Is it a lack of faith? Yeah, technically. I mean, not salvation faith, not at all, but the peace that surpasses all comprehension. Yeah, even Paul has to... In Ephesians 3, you have to keep asking for it. It comes with power from God, but our role is to ask for it, okay? And that's the Ephesians, and he's, he's going to write that letter to them. We'll, I'll, I'll mention it again in this podcast or maybe the next one, uh, just how close he is to writing already Ephesians. He's shaping it in his brain. But that kind of faith and peace comes from the Holy Spirit within our inner being, he'll say in Ephesians. Our role is to keep on asking. So Paul is learning to walk by faith. I love that. I, I mean, I am. I feel close to Paul. Verse 6, but Timothy has just now come to us. You can hear him saying this, but Timothy has just now come to us from you. So this is chapter 3. He came before chapter 1, and Paul is just venting his joy and thankfulness. He doesn't know what to say. He's repeating himself. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I mean, he's wasting lots of lots of vellum, you know, um, but there we go. Timothy's just come to us and he's brought good news about your faith and love. He told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Look, so Timothy came and told us that not only are you surviving, oh my goodness, he's, he tells me you're thriving without me. I didn't I didn't think you'd make it. I thought I thought Satan would crush you. But not only are you thriving, but you want to see me again. Oh my goodness. Right? Can you hear that in that text? You you still like me. You still think highly of me. You still think that I could you would benefit from me if I would come. Oh my gosh, the humility. And you know, in one sense, you could argue that they would have cursed the day that that Paul showed up. I mean, look, we were fine, our families were fine, and then came this 
this uh, gristled Jew and everything went uh, went uh, upside down. I was going to say something stronger, but uh, God bless you. <laughs> but no, Paul says, you're moving forward without me to lead you step by step. Oh my goodness, God is big. Verse 7, therefore, brothers, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now, we really live, <laughs> meaning you know, I guess in modern terminologies, and I can live now. I thought I was so depressed, I was down, and I, I thought it was over, but now I got this great news, and I'm alive again. I can get off my back and move forward because I see you're standing firm in the Lord, verse 8. I'm so encouraged. I can get back to the work God called me to with a new kind of awareness, a new kind of faith. Verse 9, how can we thank God enough? Don't you love it? He's asking himself questions. It's rhetorical. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy that we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day, we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what's lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clearly, uh, sorry, clear the way for us to come to you. Verse 12, may the Lord make your love, underline that, I'm going to come back to it. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow, parasoyo, which is bubble over like a fountain, a big fountain, so much that it spills out for everyone to see. So may the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other. This is the love for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts. Again, something God's doing. So, um, think motivation to do good for others, to love God and love others, right? The two great commandments, even those who are throwing rocks at you and beating you with sticks. So may he strengthen your heart so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of God, our Father, when our Lord Jesus comes with all of his holy ones. Now, the strengthening is so that you would be more and more motivated to love others. And in a sense, for Paul, that's what he means by blameless and holy, is the the sign of that is actually we're loving others. Jesus said that, let them see this love in you, then they'll know that you're my followers. And this love is love for others. So let me, this could trouble some of us in modern sensitivities, but let me highlight what Paul's prayer is saying. All right, are you sitting down? He's praying that God would make the Thessalonians' love increase and even overflow. Now, in our day and time, we don't want anybody to make us do anything. And it seems insensitive to think that God would make us do something, right? I should be able to do it on my own. God intervening, God stepping in and making me do something. See, we would feel more comfortable if Paul urged the people to work harder, to increase their love, and to really push so it even bubbles over. Right? And we should, by the way, that's a good thing. We should be doing that to one another. Look, we have to make choices and we're accountable for our choices. But Paul is getting that there's something greater and higher and longer lasting. And there's a different kind of love that's less selfish and more other oriented. And he realizes more and more that we humans are dependent upon God to make that happen within us. I mean, right? This is not a bumper sticker. For Paul, that's basic spiritual formation. He understands now the source of that righteous love. It's not from within us. 
It's not by trying harder. It's not by Paul fine-tuning the latest message that guilts people or hammers people or shames people so that they love their neighbors even when they don't, right? It isn't a fake it till you make it kind of message. It's an other-oriented love that's sourced from God that we're commanded to do, don't get me wrong, but also we can't do it on our own. So we're commanded to do it, but we have to go to God and access it. It's his love and his motivation in us and through us. So here Paul prays for them that they would get and experience that love. And it's observable when it comes, but not perfect. So that's what Paul is is basically praying. He does the same thing in Ephesians 3. Again, I'll I'll highlight that uh, later on in either this podcast or the next. Uh, And I should also point out that this love that he's praying that God make happen is love for each other. That's what Paul is basically saying, is you're not going to do it. This righteous love, this love for the Audis, the unlovable, the persecutors, the jealous Jews, the the Roman soldiers, the proconsuls like Gallio, this is the stuff that looks like Jesus. And it's not natural to us. You can't work harder and create that. So let me phrase this a little bit differently. God, you know how thin and shabby and scrabble our love is so often we tend, we admit it, to love ourselves much quicker than we love others. In fact, others are hard to love. I mean, have you met my neighbors? Have you met my family? So, okay, God, I need help. Intervene. Fill my cup with Jesus's love for even my enemies. Make it overflow. Otherwise, I just won't look very different from everybody else. And if I keep trying, I'm just going to get tired. There you go. Spiritual formation. So let me apply it to a community, an assembly, a church. How does a church, let's see, how can I put it, become a true welcoming church, right? Every, every church thinks they're a welcoming church. Um, look, I've been on a denominations revitalization task force, and I'm telling you, lots of churches think they're being friendly and welcoming, and you know what? Uh, they're, not, they're, they're not even competing with Rotary, you know? Um, so how do you become a true welcoming church? This is simple, right? So uh, this is this is a free tip. <laughs> do we do classes on welcoming? Yeah, why not? That's a good thing. We sign people up. We do gift tests and find people who have the gifts of hospitality. We teach them how to look people in the eye, shake their hand firmly, pass them on to other people, all those things, right? Or, or, or and, that's an and. Of course, let's do those things. That makes sense. Or, do we pray that God would make our attendees, the regulars, actually love visitors with God's love? Right? Isn't that simple? I have gone around the country at various churches and asked if they're doing that. And you would, would you be surprised with the, the strange stare I get? Um, you know, visitors are pretty savvy, by the way, I've found. Did you know that infants, even infants, before they can even think and tell you what they're doing, or thinking, they can tell based largely upon the size of caretakers' pupils if they're being loved and adored. Visitors, they're just, they're even more sophisticated than that, but they can tell. There's a finely tuned radar, and that's one of the reasons millennials are leaving churches is they don't feel appreciated, loved, and honored, uh, even churches that have greeters who say they're friendly. I'm I'm just saying, no judgment, by the way, no judgment for me. Um, So so there we go. And what's missing is this power of God's love for unlovable people so that 
so powerful that the people feel loved and appreciated and welcomed. Okay, but Paul gets it. All right. Uh, oh, here it is, Ephesians 3. All right, and this is, he's going to write this later, but you can hear the first fruits of this, right? For this reason, Paul says in Ephesians 3.14, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. So that speaks to honor and name and face. So if you, the honor and shame and lack of shame and name and, and respect that we're looking for ultimately comes from God. Verse 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power. Three times Paul mentioned God's power. That's noticeable. Strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. There you go. So that, and there's three so that's. First one, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power, second power, together with all the saints to grasp how wide and high and long and deep is the love of Christ. So, we need power from God through the Spirit in us in order that we can begin to grasp the love of Christ for us. Isn't that fascinating? And not just the love of Christ for us, it doesn't have an object. It's the love of Christ for others as well. People can tell the difference. Verse 19, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Now to him is who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power. There's number three mention of power that is at work within us. Very similar to what he says in First Thessalonians. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. So <clears throat> hearing that they are loving others, Christians and non, right, is a sign to Paul. And by the way, to Luke, we've talked about this, of real spirit-injected conversion. Not perfect, but they are true clients of their heavenly benefactor. They're sons and daughters of their heavenly father, and they're beginning to look like Jesus. And so he models the spiritual former that he is. He models a prayer for them that such a love in the midst of their turmoil and injustices and getting beat up and persecutions and racism and faithism and persecution, that that love for other people, including persecutors, will continue to overflow. Man, we could use that now. I'm just, I'm just saying, right? Push back, Bill at gospel-app.com. Love to hear what you think. So Jesus said, again, it was by that kind of love that others will know that you're with him. So Luke and Paul are looking for signs of conversion. And, and what they're finding is a little bit different than we typically look for. I, I'm, I've been doing this for almost 30 years, pastoring. I'm telling you, this is so refreshing. What do we look for? Well, is, does the person go and get baptized? Baptized, And that's a good thing. Do they attend church regularly? That's a great thing. Do they read their Bible and pray and witness? All good things. And yeah, that would be great for us to be doing. But for Paul and Luke, you know what they look for immediately is joy. Isn't that great? Joy. And not just Anyway, it's a sign of conversion. And then not just any joy, but joy then when you become persecuted. So when you're persecuted, does, do you feel that something that, oh my goodness. Um, I'll tell you a quick story. I was, I was uh, uh, in a restaurant, big restaurant, big wide spread out restaurant. The tables weren't close together. I was I was uh, discipling a young man in, in a Bible study with them, and we were talking quietly, you know, and because we didn't want to disturb anybody. We were talking about this or that. For, I don't remember what we were saying, basically. 
But in the corner of my eye, I saw a guy way, way, almost all the way across the restaurant. He slams his stuff, whatever he was reading, closed, stomps over to us and yells, what the blank, blank, blank are you guys doing in a public place? You're talking about God and Jesus and and uh, enough of that. And he had to be escorted out. And I looked at the, the young man that I was working with and he looked at me. We felt overjoyed. Um, it's not like we won or were victorious. We felt like something was happening. We were being persecuted, no doubt. We were trying, I mean, the person was trying to shame us and we felt loved by God. We felt joy. That's the right word in the midst of persecution. The other thing they look for is hospitality, loving others and loving others by actions. So having Paul and Silas and Timothy over to a Greek house where that would have been an act of shame because they were outsiders, right? So acts of love towards others, hospitality, particularly towards outsiders. And, uh, and lastly, thankfulness. So joy, joy in the midst of persecution, hospitality, and um, meaning acts of love and also thankfulness. Paul and, and Luke are actually highlighting that. Uh, do we? I mean, I think that's stunning. I think that's stunning. Well, we've seen it, don't get me wrong, and we've all felt it at least once, we Christians. So the idea for these two authors is that the people will see a dramatic change in your life in those areas and want to know what got into you because they want it. We've all felt it at one time or another. I can remember uh, after my conversion going to an old watering hole with a serious drinking buddy of mine from college. I didn't know what I was doing. I had just come back from a conference where I accepted Christ. I had no idea what it meant to share my faith. I started drawing some diagrams that didn't make any sense. Um, I just wanted to tell this dear friend of mine that that I got something new and I wanted to share it with him. And he was really curious and wanted to know if I was faking it or that I would, um, you know, uh, leave. I, I would break our friendship off or become judgmental or critical. So he grilled me. I mean, he was rude to tell you the truth. As we were sitting there drinking our beers, that was one of the things he wanted to know if I would still drink beer. Um, he became a Christian shortly after that and and has grown dramatically. He's been a leader in his church. I, look, I, I love it. I, I didn't know what to say. I didn't have answers for his dramatic questions. I just cared for the guy and wanted to see him uh, join me. That was that was kind of it. Okay, I'm going to read the translation, my expanded translation, in just a minute. But before we do, I want to get a word from our sponsors, and we'll get right back to the text. See you in a minute. All right, so here we go. Here's First Thessalonians three. Uh, my revised, expanded thing that I'm always working on translation. <clears throat> Though I couldn't stand it, Paul says, we didn't really have a choice. So I was left behind in Athens alone. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and God's agent in spreading the gospel of Christ to Thessalonica to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. I was really worried that you would be traumatized, emotionally shaken by all of these persecutions. I didn't think you'd last. And it's, it's not really good news, right? But you know that persecution is part of our calling, right? And in fact, when we were with you, we forewarned you that you would be persecuted, and it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith, and I was worried that the tempter had tempted you and that all of our effort would shut down. But then, finally, Timothy came and told us the good news about your remarkable, lasting faith and love. 
and that you think of us affectionately still, and you have a great desire to see me just as I want to see you. Therefore, brothers, you won't believe how much that report of you has encouraged me. Your faith, how you are still standing firm in the Lord, that has brought me back to life. I'm able to face the ongoing calamity and persecution again. I don't know how to th- how I can thank God enough about you. I can't rejoice with enough joy before him. One thing I do know is that I'm praying night and day to get back to you so that I can complete your training. Now may God our Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. Lord, make their love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as our love does for them. Strengthen their other-oriented motivations more than humanly possible. May they be blameless and holy before you at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all of his holy ones. Amen. All right. um, It looks like there's going to be nine in the series because we're not going to be able to finish. We're already at close to 30 minutes, and uh, I want to be able to spend some time in chapter four and chapter five. So uh, listen, give me feedback, bill at gospel-app.com. Pass this on to other people. Uh, if, you're, if you're going on the trip, encourage other people on the trip to, to check this out. And we will be getting back to the Sermon on the Mount, I, I promise you, at least God willing, okay? So until next time, take heart, child of God. And one by one, I watched my dear friends get engaged, get married, start having children, and... Especially as a woman, I felt like there was a certain timeline that these things needed to happen in my life. Charity Gale shares a personal testimony on The Walk, a podcast for worshipers. Join us weekly to hear songwriters, worship leaders, filmmakers, and other creatives tell their stories in the form of a devotional. The Walk can be found on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast platform.